Are y'all ready for the word? Does anybody know what subject we're on? Love. Do you think that we're going to be done tonight? I don't either. I don't either. I will tell you this. This has been enjoyable. You can't study without growing yourself. You can't study the Bible without growing and learning yourself. So, so anyway, so I'll wait till Lisa gets down here. Help me kick it off. How many of y'all have the little book? I don't know if we have any left. I don't know how many of them are out there. The Secret to Success. We're using this book. I'm going to be using three different, four different books tonight. So um, I want to start off. Are you about ready? Where'd that girl go? Man, just grab her and off she runs. I want to read something from Drummond's book. The, the sermon tonight, I'm going to talk about love serves. Um, let me go to Mark Hankins 36, since she's not around to read. She runs around out on me all the time like that, just runs off. She's kind of, kind of like nailing jello to a wall. I don't even think that was funny at all, did you? I love the Grinchy. Do you, do, how many of y'all saw the Grinch cartoon, the new cartoon? Don't y'all love it? You know the one that God rest you, Mary, gentlemen, when the people are chasing Grinch through the town? Aren't you glad that they got the gospel in this movie? Yes, they did. And what is the name of that group? The Pentatonics are the ones that are doing the singing. I don't think they're saved. We, we don't know. I went by the way they look, I'd say that. But anyway, praise the Lord. Are you ready? Are you going to read page 36? Um, I do. Here we go. Page 36. In the same way, the Apostle Paul experienced public ridicule and rejection when everyone forsook him. That's when he said in 2 Timothy 4.17, the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. That is the way God loves. The greatest miracle and witness to the world in the last days is for Christians to have this kind of love for one another. Jesus said in John 13, 34, new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we're going to talk about serving. We're going to talk about, I want to read this out of Drummond's book. If you don't have this one, the greatest thing in the world, walking in love. This is the book that Mark Hankins read and threw across the room in a fit. Y'all are so exciting. Amen. Say amen. Thank you. And which proves he needed to read it again. Okay. Now listen to this one. The most obvious lesson in Christ's teaching is that there is no happiness in having and getting things, only in giving. I repeat, there's no happiness in having or in getting, but only in giving. Half the world is on the wrong scent in pursuit of happiness. They think it consists in having getting in their serving by others. It consists in giving and in serving others. He that would be great among you, said Jesus, let him serve. 
He that would be happy, let him remember there is, but there is but one more, one way. It is more blessed, more happy to give than to receive. So I want to talk about a side of love tonight that deals with love is not selfish. Love is not self-seeking. Now, you understand that when we pick up a Bible and we begin to read the love chapter, you, you and I are three parts of beings. I, I'm a spirit, have a soul, live in a body. I am born of God, and the love of God is shed abroad in my heart, but it is not shed abroad in my flesh. And what he's trying to tell us is that because all of us have a flesh, and flesh is selfish. You have a side of you that's always like, I want it my way, I want it my way. And you and I are to put that under and to walk in the love of God. Now, we're not walking from defeat. We're not trying to be more loving. The love of God is shed abroad in our heart. We can choose to walk in love. We can choose to develop that love walk. Now, one of the things that Jesus said is that we were to serve one another. Now, I want want to look at a scripture in John 13 now. And um, John 13, go there. Thirteen four. Jesus rose from supper. He laid aside his garments. He took a towel and he girded himself. And, and, and after that, he poured water in a basin. He began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel, which he was girded. He came to Simon Peter, and Peter said, Lord, are you washing my feet? Now, understand something, that what we're about to witness here, because we, because we, don't, we don't live in their culture. But, you know, if you lived in their culture, you would understand that the, the lowest person in the house is almost always a slave that was bought, and that person washed feet. No leader, no head ever washed anybody's feet. That was the job of the slave. So when Jesus picks up a towel, takes off his robe, gets at Peter's feet, Peter rebelled against it because of his concept and his knowledge of who Jesus is. But Jesus is going to make a point very different than the world we live in. If Jesus was willing to take the role of a servant, you and I never have the right or the privilege to go higher. That's a very, very powerful point that he's about to make with Peter. In other words, our job is not to try to see how high we can go, but how low we can go. If you go low, God can lift you up, but you're not in the, you're not in the Christian business or the Christian Christianity in order to see how far God can take you, but to see how, how much like Jesus you can become. So if he is king of kings and lord of lords, he doesn't want, he's not going to lord it over you, and neither are you. So having said that, let's read it in the light of the way Peter's reading this, or the way Peter's hearing this. So let's, let's move on. Where was I? 12, okay. And he says, and he said, came to sign, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said, what I'm doing to you, you do not understand now, but you'll know after this. In other words, he'll understand after he dies and rises from the dead. 
And Peter said, you'll never wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. And Simon said, well, not only my feet, my hands and my head, I mean, just wash my whole body. And Jesus said, he who is bathed only needs to wash his feet, but he's completely clean. And you're clean, but not all of you, referring to Judas. And he knew who would betray him, therefore he said, you're not all clean. So when he had washed their feet and took his garments, he sat down and he said, do you know what I just did to you? You call me teacher, you call me Lord, and you're right, I am. I am the king of kings. I am Messiah. I am God incarnate. Don't ever forget it. But what you just saw me do, I'm doing as an example because you are not going to live, walk, talk, and act like the heathen. So this is what separates us from the world. All right, I'm, I'm going to make a statement here. I, I, let, let, me, eh, let me finish reading it. You call me teacher, Lord. So, so then if I'm Lord and I'm your teacher and I've washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's. I have given you an example that you would do after what I have done to you. Now, look at John 13, 34. A new commandment I give you that you love one another as what? As I love. Now, if Jesus is chief servant, where, what are you? You and I are a kingdom of servants. All right, now I'm going to ask you a question. And this is a, and I mean, it's a good question, and I want you to think a little bit with me. If I say I am a Marine or I am a soldier, you know, I go into Lowe's and they always say, you know, were you in the military? And my response is, does being born to a captain in the Marines qualify me? And they say, no. If I say I was in the military, your question should be, where did you serve? And if I say, nowhere, what does that say? All right, let me say it to you this way because you're all so exciting. If I say I'm a Marine, you say, where'd you serve? And I say, nowhere, I'm a Marine at heart. You need to look at me and say, you're not a Marine at all. Am I right? Oh, I never served anywhere. I just have a jacket. I got patches and boots. All right, let me ask you a question. If you're not a servant, can I question your Christianity? Yes, I can. Because... Because if love is not an action, you don't have any. Wow, dude. That's huge because mental assent says I'm a, I'm a Christian, but I don't serve. That's why you can't be a Christian on the Internet. You can't be a father on the Internet. You can't be a mother on the Internet. You can't be a wife on the Internet. You have to actually go home and get in the kitchen and make biscuits and gravy with sausage and coffee. And Lisa did such a good job. That's our Christmas breakfast. She always makes sausage and biscuits. But I made the biscuits this year. 
Glory to God. And they were healthy, Mel. All right. Yeah, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Now go back to my analogy. Is that not true? I would like to say, where are you serving? All right. Now, Jesus said, I've given you an example that you would do after I have done. So love can be seen. We say, I love you. Really? Can you say it without words? Can you prove it? Did Jesus prove it? He did. That was not his cross. It was mine. It was yours, and he took it. So the issue that we're dealing with here is the fact that that is what love is. It's taking care of one another. That's what makes us Christians. It's what makes us community. Go to 1 John 2, 6 and pop it on the screen, and I want to read it. 1 John 2, 6. He who says he abides in him ought himself to walk like he walked. The goal of every Christian is to become like the Lord. That, that means you should be looking for places to serve and you should be looking for ways to help the church and the people. That is how God gauges your love walk. If, you see, if you're a wife, it's in the serving of your husband and your family. Now, Christian women don't like the word submission. That's because you don't know the Lord very well. It wouldn't be a bother to you if you loved. Nobody's ever said, well, your, your wife is expecting you to come home and, and, and work around the house. If I buck against that, it's really my reflection on what I think of her. But I've never been bothered by helping her. Why is that? Because I love her. It's an honor for me. It's something I enjoy doing and have since the day I married her. And my children and you. Do you know why I haven't left this church? Because I love you. Not because you're good and not because you have never ticked me off. Because some of you have. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. Exciting, isn't it? Hallelujah. Okay, I'm going to, I got to read something here. What, uh, wow, I hope I wrote, wrote it down where I, you have something you were going to say? So one thing you need to remember is that the simple definition of servant, it's not a bad word. The simple definition of servant is a duty that's performed by someone to help meet the needs of another someone. That's all that means, is that a servant is someone who's performing a duty to help meet the need of another person. Yeah. So I got this book, Jesse Duplantis, Heaven, Close Encounters of the God Kind. And I read a story in here one, one, once that I never forgot. It had quite the impact on me. It says, I felt weaker and weaker as I approached the throne room, and I looked like millions of people were there. Looking around, I saw 24 empty seats around the throne. And I said, I read in the scriptures about the 24 elders. Those are their seats 
where are they? Now, he's walking with David, King David. And Jesse said, we're servants here. David told me, as he had earlier, they're out in the city and in paradise blessing and helping people. We help people here. Everyone serves you don't walk up to the throne room and go, ah, these guys just sitting on a chair. No. Yeah. They're working. Everyone in heaven is helping everyone else. Mm-hmm. It's what makes heaven heaven. Yeah, that's good. So, but in hell, never mind. Ain't nobody helping nobody. That's one of the things that makes hell hell. So you can find out how your house is doing. Never mind. Even the flowers, okay, someone's always asking, what can I do for you? Even the flowers turn toward you in an attitude of service. They turn. They look at you. They don't have eyes, but they know you're there. You can't smash them because they go through your legs. I would look down at a flower I had stepped on and think, my, 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 did I not smash it? You can't kill anything there. There's no destruction. And after seeing the way everyone served each other in heaven, I don't think God is looking for brilliant individuals. I believe he's looking for team players. I remember the account in the Bible when James and John, the sons of Zebedee, asked how they could have a special place in heaven. And he said, whoever will be great among you, let him be a minister. And whoever will be the chiefest, be servant of all. Even the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life as a ransom for many. So in all reality, one of the best definitions for for, um, love is serving. Or we could say that that's an act. We talked last week about doing kind deeds. Now I want you to look at this and uh, you have something because I'm going to take off to uh, Acts 26. Okay, Go. so on page 24 in the message translation, it says, uh, love never gives up. Love cares more for others than it does for itself. So that's page 24. Love never gives up, cares more for others than it does for itself. Then it comes down and it says in dark, bold, black, it doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. So if we could just go to Isaiah 53 real quick. It's it's a beautiful verse. If you can just throw it up on the screen, uh, Tracy. Isaiah 53, 11. Did you know that God the Father is the first one to call Jesus servant? He shall see the labor or the travail of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant. servant shall justify many for he shall do, what is he doing to help them? He shall bear their iniquity. So even God, his own father, he called him his son. This is my son whom I'm well pleased. He, he called him also servant. This is my righteous servant because he is going to justify many and bear their iniquities. So a lot of times we're in our homes. When you think about you, our children come in and go, mom and dad, I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble with my math. What's wrong with stopping Amen. and saying, honey, why don't you take her in there and sit down with her and help her with her work? This, listen, this is the thing that makes family family. Not, well, that's what we put you in school for, figure it out. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. How is that? How are you, how are you ever going to have time, quality? You're looking for quality time with your children. Why don't you serve them? 
if your kids see you serving them, they might actually grow up and be pretty good people. Amen. It's not the, the TV's not supposed to be raising your kids for you. Amen. You're responsible to raise them yourself. Amen. And the home is the atmosphere Amen. to teach them to serve one another. They ha it has to start at home or you can forget it out in the world. They're not going to learn it at school. They're not learning it anywhere else. It's not a burden to get your kids, you know, um, it takes time to teach a child right. And you have to stop what you're doing and teach them. Not just tell them, but teach them and show them how to act. Show them how to help one another. Show them. So if you're helping them and you're sitting with them, you're, you're setting an example of the way you think they should be. Folks, they're going to do what you do, not what you say. Oh, thank you. That was a very good amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Go to Acts 26, 19 in your Bible. Look at this. This is kind of an overlooked scripture. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I'm going to read it out of my Bible. I declared first those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the regions of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent Number one, repent, turn to God, and do what? Works. Do works, befitting repentance. Mm -hmm. He said that's what he preached. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't preach that in America. Repent of sin, mm -hmm. come to Jesus, and do works that show me you're saved. Now, you have to actually show up to do that. Okay. I've said this many times before, and I may say it a lot until you get it. Legally, I can be married to Lisa and never go home. Now, we're, if you want to talk legal, are you all married? Yep. When you seen Lisa? Well, I saw her last year. I mean, I could get a piece of paper and prove to you that I'm married. But am I? Really, am I in love? No. No, I'm not. Well, we got married. We said I do. I took you as my wife. It was, apparently, I lied. I'll be a husband to you. I'll send you money from my job. You know, where are you now? I'm in California. Next one, I'm up in Montana hunting. Where are you now? Kentucky. I love you. When are you coming home? Don't know. Something's wrong. Yeah. Something's wrong with Christianity today. Something yeah. very, very wrong with it. Yes. Amen. Because you, I, I'd like to do a whole citywide crusade, but I'm going to need more than 12 people. Yeah. Okay. Amen. I, I'm busy. Get unbusy. Real quick. Let's read it again. I declare to those in Damascus and Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea, then to the Gentiles, they repent, turn to God, and do works befitting Repentance. In other words, if I can't see it, you probably didn't do it. Now, let's, I want to I take you to a couple more scriptures. Go to Titus 1. Titus 1. Now, see, we're talking about agape love. We're not talking about Hallmark. See, if you came tonight looking for Hallmark love, you will leave very disappointed. 
because Hallmark doesn't have a clue what they're talking about. Never mind. Boy, I'm going to tell you this. this. You better take over here in a minute. Titus 1, 16. They profess to know God, but in works, they do what? Deny Him. If there's no action to back up what you're saying, then what you're saying is not true. You one more time. In works, someone said, well, I've never denied the Lord. Okay. Really? I've never denied Lisa. I've always been there and always will be. Let me tell you, let me tell you, about my walk with God for a minute. And it's not because I'm a pastor. What I'm going to tell you is not because I'm a pastor. When I left Raymond, came here, um, I worked with Tom. And then later, that I, I no longer was a youth pastor. And Lisa and I got married. And I would go off at night and, and come home and go in the bedroom, Josh's bedroom at the time. And I would pray, God, what do you want me to do? And I'm praying about what he wants me to do with my life. And I prayed and prayed and prayed, and I prayed and prayed and prayed, and I prayed and prayed and prayed some more. And God really did not pay a whole lot of attention to me, which kind of bothered me a little bit. So one day, I'm headed down Overland Road, headed to work, and the Lord says, when are you going to do what I want you to do? And, and I'm a little aggravated. I said, what do you want me to do? I mean, I, I mean I've been talking to you about this for half a year now, and you just have been silent with me. What do you want me to do? And he said, I'm not going to tell you until you tell me you'll do it. And I said, no. I'll come over here and preach. He wants me. He wants me. I didn't marry Lisa with all the conditions. I married Lisa, period. I said to him, I said to him, I said, well, I, I don't know if I want to do it. In other words, I want you to tell me so I can decide. That's not love. And he said, well, I'm not ever going to tell you what I want you to do until you tell me you'll do it. I mean, I, I mean now, now, honest to God, my truck is full of the glory of God. I'm shaking like a leaf. I'm crying like a baby under the glory, and I just got gut honest with God, and I said, I'm afraid to obey you unconditionally. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. So are you. That's why you don't do it. You don't trust him. I didn't either. I'd already lost one marriage obeying God. Just because you obey God doesn't mean everything's going to go right. Don't shout me down. I, didn't, I thought, well, he, he's liable to ask me to go around the world and never see my family again. The second thing that scared me, oh, God, he might ask me to pastor people. Oh, you serious? Can't conceive of such a thought. Every Sunday. Boy, y'all are so exciting. And I, I sat there and I wept. And I finally... He said, I know you have a family. I want you to trust me. 
And I, and I had to pull off the side of the road. I was crying so hard I couldn't. I couldn't see out the windshield. And I just broke down over my steering wheel and I said, okay. Okay. He wants me. He wants you. He's not going to hurt you. He loves you more than you love you. But he doesn't want both of you, us, him and you, running you. Somebody's going to be the head, and it won't be you. And that is the definition of love. Do you love me? Keep my commandments. He went to Peter and said, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. And Peter got aggravated with him. But, he, but listen, he said, do you love me? I have something I want you to do. Listen, don't ever be afraid of the will of God. I'll guarantee you it's, better, it's a better life than you'll give yourself. But he's not in your life. He is your life. And, and it's called a marriage for a reason. And so when there's, when there's works involved, it's because there's, there is action. He's going to say, I need you to do this for me. So let's talk about your being a businessman a minute. Norval Hayes owned seven businesses, and he was a multi-millionaire, but he was totally sold out to the Lord. One day, one day Norval is up in Tennessee, and the Lord said, I need you to go to Florida. I have something I want you to do. He didn't say, well, well Jesus, I have a lot of work to do. I mean, if God can't take care of your business, you certainly can't. So he gets in his car and he drives down and he gets someplace in Florida, somewhere near Lakeland, and he pulls into a Hardee's and there's this, there's this drug, there's a kid on drugs in the Hardee's and the Lord said, I want you to cast the devil out of that kid. And he walks up to the kid and gets him out there and casts the devil out of him in the parking lot, lays hands on him, prays on him, gets him born again, and then he begins to minister to him, helps him out. And, and, uh, and he tells the story about how God took him all the way from Tennessee down to Lakeland to help someone and get them born again. Then he went over to Crystal River, and as he drove down the road going to Crystal River, the Lord said, now buy this piece of property. And I'm not going to get into the story, but he said, I made $1 million in one week. Now, let me tell you something. If you're a businessman and you go get a drug addict saved, God can make you rich. But see, you have, to, you have to go, you're the boss and you're the head and I'm going to obey you. you. You have to get over being afraid and putting him last. Lisa's not last. As a matter of fact, this is the way I do my life. God is first, Lisa's second, the boys are third, and y'all are last. You thought the church was, no, you're not. You're on the bottom of the ladder. Because right now, if it's my marriage or you, I'm going to go home. Thank y'all. And then if Elisa gives me the, between her and Jesus, it'll be Jesus. Thank you. Have a good day. Are y'all all right? Okay, let's look at another one. Let's look at another one here. Are y'all learning anything? Say, love is giving. Love is serving. Now, Titus, Titus, 
They profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. Chapter 2, verse 7, in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, and incorruptibility. In other words, he's saying, show yourself, show your love for God in what you do. Not in just what you say. Not because you pray, not just because you read your Bible, but, but because you're obeying the Lord. Now, that's going to make you a fireball. Okay, let's look at one more. Chapter 2, verse 1, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us, denying ungodliness, worldly lust, you should live soberly, righteously, godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and Savior Jesus, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for what? Good works. That's actually part of your Christianity, to be zealous for good works. That means you should be looking and going, do you have anything you want me to be doing? Now, I don't mind you working in the nursery when you have a baby, but are you going to be working in the nursery after the baby's out of the nursery? Amen. Let's go to number two. I appreciate that your children are in children's church. And I appreciate that you work in the children's church because your kids are in there. But are you still going to help the kids when your kids aren't in there? Number three, are you going to move to the youth group now? And then when the youth are gone, you're leaving too? Oh, without shouting me down because I'm preaching real good. In other words, when do we take up the fact that wouldn't it be nice if we took care of the children in the church like they were ours? Yeah. I'm just as interested in Matthew Brown as, as Josh and Karen are. We pray about them. We are interested in those kids. We want them to do well, and we pray over them, and we make sure that we are developing a church where the children are hearing the Word of God. So we're made, we take good care of Jeannie so Jeannie can do her job. But we've taken the responsibility with you of your family. That's not just our job. That's our job. You're as responsible for the people in this church as we are. Woo! Everybody's growing tonight. We're all going to grow tonight. One more, chapter 3, verse 8. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. You want to do one more? Verse 14, let our people also learn to maintain good works. Now, that's kind of like all over the book of Titus. I'm glad that y'all got to let me read that to you tonight. So if, if go to 1 Corinthians 13. If love is not an action, it is not love. If love is not serving, it is not love. Now, 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm going to let you dive in on this. Look, look at chapter 
13, verse 1. Though I speak with tongues, shandai, shandai, tie my bow tie of men and angels, and I don't have love, I'm just a lot of noise. Verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy, I've been to Charis, Ramah, and the river. Y'all are so exciting. <laughs> and I've read every book by Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagin, and everything by Jesse DePlanis. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, all knowledge, and all faith, you are something. I mean, even Kenneth is calling you to come preach. And I could remove mountains like Mark Hankins. And I have not love. I'm what? You're a zero. It's not, in, it's not in your Bible knowledge. It's in your serving. Let's, let, me, let me finish this. And though I bestow all my goods to the poor, well, pastor, I support the church financially, and that's the way that we show love. Let's read. Well, y'all, thank you. Adam, you've redeemed the whole building. Though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, and I give my body to be burned, and I have not love, I don't serve, it profits me nothing. All of that, all your knowledge, all of your giving, you're a zero with the rim knocked off of it. You're not even a Christian. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. It's not in the knowledge, and it's not in how cool you are. It's actually in your serving. Now, that's the way heaven rates you and I. So Jesus is the one that said, here is now the new standard. Feet. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, that's like not good. Never mind. Your flesh. Okay. So go to Luke 22, verse 25. We'll do 25, 26, and 27 if you can get to 25. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles, they exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. Next verse. But not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater? He's asking a question. He who sits at the table or he who serves? The one who is being served or the one who serves? Who is greater? Well, he's going to answer that. But in the kingdom. Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet... I am among you as the one who serves. Jesus said, that's how the world sees it. Is it not he who sits at the table? But he says, yet that's not me. I am among you as the one who serves. So we can't get any higher than the Lord Jesus Christ. So I wanted to say this about serving real quick um, because it's good for you to know this. We serve you. We do. But we are not your servants. That's right. 
You Pastor, you need to go to the hospital for me this week. I ain't going to the hospital for you. Go yourself. So God said, my righteous servant is Jesus. He's the one that shall justify many. So I am God's servant. You are God's servant. You are performing duties that he wants you to perform, not necessarily everything I want you to do. But you are doing duties that God, the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit has asked you to do because you are his servant. So therefore, being his servant, you are serving others. But we serve you out of love and out of our respect, and we, we love you, but we are his servant. So we are not your servants for you to boss us around. Does that make sense? So we are still leaders and we are still governors. We're governing this local body. Jesus is the head governor, right? He's the head shepherd. We're the under shepherd. So that's important for you to know when you go out amongst people where they take advantage of that and say, well, you said, you know, you're the servant of all. Just do what I say. Do this, do that. Because people, religious people will get that attitude. And that's when you'll look at them kindly and say, I will serve, but I'm not your servant. Does that make sense? Now, you understand what happened in the church for years and years. And when I first took this church, there was a mindset that you hired me to serve you. I'm in the hospital. Come sit with me all day. No. I ain't coming to the hospital and sit with you all day. Well, I'm a tither. No, I'm going to tell you a story. I won't tell you the names because I'm going to protect the guilty. A lady called me one day. She said, Pastor, I have the flu. I want someone to come to my home and make me chicken noodle soup. The true story. I said, is your husband home? He is, and that's none of your concern. I said, oh. I said, is your mother still live across the street from you? She does. I said, is she a Christian? She said, she is. I said, call her and have her make you some chicken noodle soup. She said, well, if you don't come and make me some soup, I'm going to take my tithe and go somewhere else. I said, bye. And she left, just like that. She left, never came back. Now, where did that come from? That came from the mindset that you know that God made Lisa and I a servant. But we're not your servants. Our mindset is servant. Your mindset is I'm a man of God. She is God's daughter. She can see herself serving if she desires. I don't make her do anything. Thank y'all. And she doesn't make me do anything. She's found that out. She gives me a list and I go, it'll be done before Christmas. I don't know which one, but it'll be done before Christmas. Now, I do it. I do what I do for Lisa out of my love for God and out of my love for her. I'm not doing it because it's my duty. I cannot, now, I cannot see you as my servants in this church. But you are to see yourself as servants. 
I see you as sons and daughters of God. My job is to feed you and I serve you out of my heart of love. But you don't place demands on me. Or on each other. Now, this is where the idea that the pastor, every time someone goes to the hospital, is supposed to show up if he loves you. Mm. And stay all day. That's just one guy, (laughs) y'all. So I'm going to tell a story. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Listen to that. One one day, and I don't remember what day of the week it was, we had, now we have people that lived for a while in Daytona Beach and um, um, DeLand that went to this church. And we had people who, uh, and who in Umatilla and Eustace went to this church, and people from Orlando, and and people drive in from everywhere. Well, one one day we had someone in the hospital. That hospital right on I four, going north past Daytona. I don't know the name of that. It's a Florida hospital. That there was a person in that one, and then there was one in Winter Park, the one where you go through downtown Winter Park and you're going out Seminole. Is that right? Okay, there was a person in that one, and then there was a person in downtown Orlando off of Orange, and then we had another person in uh, Lakeland up here off 441. What's the name of that one? Leesburg. Leesburg. Not, not, not the Leesburg one, but the one on the right on 441. Now that, Waterman, now that's my morning before I go to work. Y'all are exciting. I, I, if, if y'all get too excited, I'm, I'm, well, never mind, I'm going to use my faith. Father, they're getting this. So I, so I, I, I left the house and I said, honey, I'm, I'm headed off to Daytona Beach and I'm going to make the loop. And then I'm coming in to go to work. I got, you know, there's a business side of a church. And I know y'all don't believe that. But, um, you know, we have to actually have shampoo carpets. We have all kinds of stuff we do around here. And um, so I, I, I went to these th- different places. And I walked into the hospital. There's a man in there, and I, and I walked in. And, and I, when I come to the hospital, I'm going to be happy not because I'm glad you're there. My joy is not I don't care. My joy is because God's fixing to answer my prayer. That's, that's where my joy is coming from. So I walk in the hospital. I said, hey, brother, how you doing? Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm in here. I'm going to lay hands on you. We're going to get you out of this hospital in the name of Jesus. So I spent about 30 minutes with this guy, read the scripture to him, prayed with him, laid hands on him, and I left. And then I took off and went down to Orange Avenue. This was over in Seminole. Then I went to Lake, and then I came here. Well, the next week, he came back to church, came in my office, and read the riot act to me for being such a worthless, no good, sorry, good for nothing, pastor. And I'm sitting there listening to him, and I went, okay, uh, tell me what I did. He said, I thought you were going to come in and read the Bible to me all day. I said, no. He said, don't you know I'm afraid? I said, not if you don't tell me. I don't read people's minds. I didn't. And he said, and the way you acted coming in happy, you just didn't care that I was sick. And I said, let me ask you a question. Did you get healed? He went, yep. I went. He left the church. Now, I call this big fat baby. 
please forgive me. If y'all do that, I think you're a baby. And I do. I really, if, if you walk in my office and act like a baby, I really am thinking you're a baby. So I want y'all to know that right now. I do have the carnal up. side of me that goes, that's Just a, a big fat up. baby. Okay. Don't walk into okay. his office like that. Okay, okay. So this guy, about a year later, was in the hospital up here on um, 436 in Altamont, and I heard that he wasn't going to live long. Used to go to this church, and so I went by. I walked in, and he goes, my pastor was here all day with me. And I went, good. I said, he's dying too. He didn't live much longer than you did. You, you can't kill preachers. Thank you all. Well, that's what I thought. It don't, love me. It don't matter what you thought. The fact that there are, there are times when I have to send somebody, and it isn't that I don't care. I do. But I have enough faith that if Lisa comes, I have enough faith that if I send Zach and I say, Zach, I want you to go in there. You're going to lay your hands on him, and you and I are in agreement. They're going to get up and walk out of there. They're going to be healed in the name of Jesus. And, and, and it might be that God wants to use Zach because he won't. Listen, there's more people in the world than just the pastor is not your paid, hired servant to be there for everything. Now, when I first took the church, I had to because of the mindset of people. But I've tried my best to get you over the idea that God created us as a body of believers and they shall lay their hands on the sick and they. So we have kids, we have young people, young men and women that are in Bible school and it's a great honor for me to look at them and say, I want you to go down to the hospital and I want you to pray and I want, well, I don't know what to say. Well, you will never learn. If you don't go try, that's not, are y'all out there? Y'all are amen a little better now than you were. That's not, I don't care. Did thou get that? When, if you're a parent, let the kids wash dishes. Number one. Women, teach your daughters to cook. Please. Bring them in. Show them what a frying pan is for. Show them how to boil water. Show them, please, ladies. They don't need to get married and go, kitchen, what is that? Broom, isn't that something people fly on? Okay, huh? You did. You figured it out. How many of you ladies in here, your mom just did not? Maybe I shouldn't ask you that. Never mind. Forget it. No don't pointing, raise your hand. Don't no raise your hand. Don't your raise your hand. So Justin will make somebody a good wife. I'll guarantee you that. He's, he can Whoa. cook and clean and, <laughs> un, okay, a good husband. Rewind. Rewind. <laughs> when the boys were growing up, when the boys were growing up, Lisa said, Rewind. they're going to learn to cook. They swept floors. They did their they, laundry. They did the laundry. Honey, you, they come in and my, my clothes are dirty. Well, 
Put, go, put not only put them in the basket, but go get the other boys' laundry, and you get in there, and you and Mama got in there. And go darks with darks, light with lights, and this is how you. And I mean, they learned to turn it on, put measure it out, and then when it got done, they were in the living room folding clothes. Boy, I'm Amen. doing better than y'all. Amen. Amen. Mow the grass, feed the dog. Man, listen, if you got a honey, please feed the dog. You got children sitting in the living room on Facebook. Get them up and let them go to work. Amen. That's true. Boy, never mind. And then the mommy, I need this, and mommy, I need that. My mother said, I'm changing my name, and I'm not telling you what it is. <laughs> That's true. But you, you crippled. That's you cripple true. kids if you don't teach them to, to, to work in the house as a team. You cripple them. And that's why they go out in the marketplace today and have no clue what to do in life. You know, I wanted to tell you a story of uh, year, years ago. I don't know how many years. Could have been 10, could have been 12. But, you know, I was still young in ministering to people in, um, what do you call, fatal conditions. What's, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Thank you. Terminal. Fatal is more like you got shot. But um, terminal conditions. And uh, my husband walked into the hospital with me one day. And, lady, we never met her. We never met her. But her husband came to our church just a couple of Wednesday night services. And uh, he said, I want you to go pray for my wife. She's dying of cancer. And she's not born again. And so we went in there. And he led her to the Lord. We were there together. Well, then I I decided that, uh, you know, that, that I was going to go over Pastor Jeannie or someone asked me to come over to the house, and she's she's on her last leg, you know. And I wasn't feeling good at that time either. I was having a lot of issues with my own body, um, which is a whole other story. But the Lord said, go. And so I went, and I didn't really know what I had to offer her. We had laid hands on her. And so a lot of you would think, this is intimidating. We've already laid hands on her. She's getting worse. And now you're going back? And I, t I told the Lord, yes, because this, they wanted me to come back. I walked in that home, and I walked in the bedroom where she was, and she, she looked the picture of death. She was almost dead. I mean, she wouldn't even respond to me. And the TV was blaring in front of her bed, and somebody was killing and murdering somebody. And it was awful. It was just, it was awful. And I looked at the husband, I said, can you at least turn the TV off? I mean, just, just give me a few minutes without blood flying all over the screen. And he said, sure, I'm sorry. You know, they get so used to that that they, they just think nothing of it. And the Lord said, tell them to turn it off. I walked in, and I sat beside her bed. She was gray. And I just said, Lord, I don't know what to do, but just lay my hands on her and pray in the Spirit. Now, that's me serving the very best way I know how. And so that was my best, my best foot forward. And I just sat down beside her, and I laid my hands on her, and she was starting to get cold, and I was just sobra bada basha. I need the Holy Spirit to help me, okay? Sobra bada bring to the bashtukanama. And as I prayed for her, her body started warming up. And I had my eyes closed because I didn't know what to expect. I had my eyes closed, and within five minutes of me just praying in the spirit over her with my hand on her, her belly lightly, 
Um, she was very skinny, very, very frail. She, all of a sudden, she scared me. She popped up in the bed, and she opened her eyes, and she said, I, I want something to drink. You, you make me feel good when you came in here. And she went to, and she got up out of the room and sat on the couch and wanted some Gatorade or something. And so I said, I said to her husband, get her some Gatorade. Well, she's not really supposed to be drinking. She's dying. I said, get the woman some Gatorade. She wants to drink. That's a good sign, right? And so he, he gave her some. I mean, yeah, eventually in a month she died. But I asked myself this, not that this she was. She went back three times, and every time she went back, the lady recovered and did good <laughs> for days. It was almost like someone needed to, to be stay there with her. a lot more. You know, stay with her and school her in the word and pray for her. And that's a place that I want to attain to for all of us, to take more time with people. And it takes time out of our schedule. But that's what I'm talking about. That was my best way of serving. You know what? You don't have to know all the answers. You don't have to know everything to do. But if you feel a leading of the Lord to say, go do this, just go do it, and then he'll give you the words to say or pray. And then I, I, I don't know what I was expecting. I was just trying to pour love into her. And then when she popped up on the bed like that, she scared me. You know, so it's just, it's just the way. So the earlier guy that I was telling you about, I looked at his wife and said, sit and read the Bible to him. And she's like, well, I don't know how. I'm like, it's your husband. <laughs> You're here anyway. Yeah. But that mindset... That's not my job. Yeah, it, it's, it's your job. Amen. You're there to lift and to help people. Quit waiting on someone to give you a job description. If there's something that needs to be done, the, the, the guy in the Bible, the Good Samaritan, he stopped and helped the guy. Amen. Now, Justin, um, where did he run off to? He's, He's in the back. He's going down the road, and I may let him holler in the back and tell him the story, but two ladies broke down the side of the road, and he stopped and went, ah, let me help him. And it was Patty and Kylie, and he helped them with their vehicle, and they started coming to church and developed a relationship, but all because he just, you don't have to have a call. Amen. Amen. I'm not called. Yeah, you are. You're called to help people out. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Now, Amen. Jesus says, here's the law. What do you want people to do for you? For you. If you don't know what to do, what do you want them to do for you? Treat them well. Okay, I want you to read one more scripture. Amen. Jude 1. There's only one chapter in Jude. One twelve. Now, hold on to your seats. He's talking about people in church. These are spots in your love feast, your church. While they feast with you without fear, serving only their self, they are clouds without water, carried about by the wind, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead and plucked up by the roots. Talking about people who go to church. Now, the, here's the analogy that he's making. You're a farmer. You rely on the rain. You come out one morning, you pray, and, oh, God, I need some rain. Here comes a rain cloud. You're like, oh, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And it comes over your land, and it blows by. And you're like, 
No. <laughs> no, 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 God. No, I need some rain, Father, in the name of Jesus. I need rain. So the next day you go out, and here they come. I mean, they're coming in. They're, they're like, oh, here comes, the, here comes the rain. Here it comes. And it comes up over your land and just sits there and it gets dark all day long and it blows off. And you're like, are you serious? Get the water hose out. I can't believe this. I've actually had that happen out on my property three or four or five days in a row where we had rain come in and never dropped anything on my property. Now, here's what happens in church. Here comes a, here comes a new family or two or three. Yay, help. Not. Do Nothing. Thank y'all. They usually sit on Wednesday night and don't say nothing. <laughs> Go back to my story of the military. You're not going to wake up in the morning in the military and go, it is 0500, we want you out. Hey, 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 Captain, stop. I'm busy. I had a late night. I'll be out there when I get ready. But anyway, I got a birthday party to go to today. That ain't happening. Thank y'all. When does he have the right to look at you and say, I need you? Now, back to what Lisa said a while ago, and I'm going to give you all a secret. When you are having a bad day, most of the time God will send you somebody to minister to. And you'll find yourself saying to them what you needed to hear. And you'll find yourself, the anointing that comes out of you is the anointing that will heal you. So don't be surprised if God doesn't send you someone worse than you that needs help. Now, if you pass them by and become clouds without water, I got news for you. You're probably not going to get your prayers answered either. God put you in the earth in a church to serve people. And that's what we're doing here until the rapture. We're here to minister to people. You say, I don't know how. Learn. You learned everything else. You would know if you wanted to know. When I got born again, I knew one scripture. And a guy by the name of Lonnie, the Lord said to me one day, I want you to minister to Lonnie. And I went, no. I, I don't know what to say to him. I don't even know how to help him. Well, the Lord said to me a couple of times, Lonnie came up one day and asked me that I watch the 700 Club. And I, I said, yes. That was it. That was my help. I came to work one day, and Buck, my boss, said, Lonnie put a 303 in his mouth last night and pulled the trigger. Killed himself. I lost it. I walked away and I got on my knees in a, in a factory. I said, I will never again not obey you if you say talk to someone. And, and, I, and I, I said, he's in hell and it is my fault. He probably would not be if I hadn't have been afraid. I used to be introvert until that day. You say, well, you, you seem to be very comfortable now. I made myself comfortable. 
I taught myself that if Alani ever walked up to me again, I'm going to be able to help you. That is the thing that kicked me to where I am today. Now, he's still not in heaven. That's, boy, that's sad. There's, I can't unscramble that egg, but it'll never happen to me again. So everybody I've ever met from that day forward, they've heard the gospel. <laughs> you slow down, you're hearing the gospel out of me. I will never have that happen to me again. And so I had another thing happen to me. When I was in Tulsa, my marriage fell apart, my first marriage. I went to my pastor. I walked in his office. He prayed in the spirit with me for a couple of minutes and then sent me out. That's it. That's all they did. And I made a vow to God. You ever ask me to pastor, I will never treat a human that way. I needed help, and I got none. I'm going to Ramah, and I couldn't find one person to talk to. That's not good. Those are the things that changed me. I didn't walk away bitter, but I sure walked away better. If you ever, if you ever walk in my church, you're having marriage problems, we, we, we will get you help. You have a problem in your body, I may not help. We will get you help. Somebody will talk to you. Somebody will help. But I'm preaching this tonight because I want you to understand. I expect you to help each other. I really do. Quit relying on the big dogs. Become a big dog. Become a servant. Put a towel on and go to work. I don't know if you've ever been a part of a foot washing servant uh, service. Servant. It's a stinky <laughs> it, business. It is. It is. Uh, it is humiliating or humbling. That's the better way to say it. Not humiliating. It is humbling to to have someone walk up to you in the conversation. I mean, in the congregation, and invite you up here and say, "I want to wash your feet." It is. It's not too humbling for me to wash someone's feet. I can do that all day long. Because I understand serving, but to sit there and let someone wash your feet and dry them, it is very humbling. It'll take a lot of pride off of you, especially when 50 people want to wash your feet, you know. And so Jesus, he said, if you want to be like me, you're going to be the servant of all. So I had it in my heart to do confession with him. Are you done? No, I got one more story. Melanie will remember this. Melanie, what's the little girl, young lady that came to youth group, Agape Gang, with you? Say it again. What's the name of the girl that you brought to the Agape Gang years ago? You brought her one night. I don't know her name either. I went to Tom when I was a youth pastor, and I said, I never get a break. I never get to go to church. I was throwing a fit. I didn't have this book yet. And um, got, and so Tom said, okay, turn the church, turn your youth group over to somebody, and you come to church Wednesday night. Boy, I was so glad to leave those kids alone long enough to. See, I, I was in the youth group Wednesday and Sunday. The whole time I was at Tom's church, I never went to church. 
I got in Tom's church Wednesday night, and I had seen your friend walk up. Can't think of her name right now. I couldn't get her off my mind, and I sat there, and I began to weep. I said, I sure hope someone hugs her. I sure hope someone welcomes her. I sure hope someone, and and I'm going, and I thought, get up, go back, do your job, big baby. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I pray to God that we would get to the place to where we would be concerned about how people do when they walk through the doors. Do they get saved? Do they know the Lord? How are they doing? Do they need help? Do they need love? Do they need prayer? My goal is for you to get everybody saved, healed, filled with the Holy Ghost, and never make it to the altar call. Go ahead. All right. So if you have your book, go to page 16. And uh, what we're going to do, if you don't have a book, that's okay. Read on with somebody if you can. I have a book somewhere. We're going to do it together. (laughs) And so where it says love, you're going to use the word I. Because why? You are love. The love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. Say that. The love of God has been shed abroad abroad in my heart heart. by the Holy Spirit. I am love, just like God, because I'm full of God. All right, so where it says love, we're going to just read I. We're going to read it together. We're not going to do the back and forth thing. And so if you don't have your book, you can just listen to us. (laughs) Hallelujah. I suffer long. Having patience with imperfect people. I am kind and active in doing good. I do not envy. Since I am not non-possessive, non-competitive, I actually want others to get ahead. Hence, I do not parade myself. I have a self-effacing quality. I am not ostentatious. Love or I am not puffed up. Treating others arrogantly. I do not behave rudely, but display good manners and courtesy. I do not seek my own, insisting on my own rights and demanding precedence. Rather, I am unselfish. I am not provoked. I am not irritable or touchy or rough or hostile, but I'm graceful under pressure. I think no evil. I do not keep an account of wrongs done to me. Instead, I erase resentments. I do not rejoice in iniquity, finding satisfaction in the shortcomings of others and spreading an evil report. Rather, I rejoice in the truth, aggressively advertising the good. I bear all things, defending and holding other people up. I believe the best about others. I credit them with good intentions, and I am not suspicious. I hope all things, never give up on people, but affirming their future. I endure all things, persevering and remaining loyal to the end. Now, that, that's one of the best ways to read this book. You're going to find yourself, when you read that that way, coming up on stuff that you go, but I don't act that way. That's a good place for you to go. The love of God is shed abroad in my heart. And begin to 
Begin to practice it. Begin to practice what you're reading. Without practicing, you're not going to walk in love. You're going to have to meditate on it. That means mutter it. Meditate means to mutter or to chew the cud. That's what you're doing. And you're going to meditate on it. If you do that, that way. Lisa and I got to wear coffee time in the morning. We will read through these scriptures together. And during the day, we let those words sink in our heart. And if we miss it, We'll go back and go, Heavenly Father, I didn't do so good. And we'll read it again until that becomes ingrained in us. And if I could say this, we have both made great advancements. Lisa told me the other day, she said, you're doing so good. I am. I am too. Anyway, yeah, we both are. But not without trying. If you just go through life and go, I'm not going to read that one. Well, you're never going to grow in love. Life will not change much for you. One of the greatest things that we envision and we probably say first or think first or meditate on first before we even do this is, Lord, you love me so much. And you've poured your love into me. And now I'm able to love. Yeah. And so when you constantly remind yourself, even in the face of adversity, or someone treating you hostile, you say, no, I can love because they treated Jesus hostile. So in the morning I wake up and I go, Father, my wife is your daughter. Amen. And I will treat her well. I will treat her the way you want her to be treated. And when you make up your mind you're going to do that, and that's usually when I get the bright idea to wash the dishes. (laughs) It helps. Or, or something else, I'm looking around the house, that she usually walks in at the end of a day and she has to go to work at home. And I'll go, help me to think about what it is she would want me to do for her so that when she comes home. So the other day, I knew we were going to have biscuits, so I got up and I went and made the stuff and rolled the biscuits out and put them on a pan so they were there. And, and, I, and I like it when she stops and goes, hey, thank you for the biscuits. Well, I did get to eat. But you know, it's fun to do something for someone that blesses them. It's very, now, if, they're, if, they're, if your spouse is not being happy, do it anyway. That really makes them irritated. When you're nice, never mind. You do it as under the Lord. As under. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button, or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this, we grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.